everyone agrees, bacon makes everything better. Even marketing. This is the Bacon Podcast, where you'll learn to cure your marketing. And make your business. I can't believe I said that. Internet marketing. Online marketing. Social media tips and techniques. Now, to help you bring more bacon home, the master of marketing sizzle, Brian Basilico. This is the Bacon Podcast. Welcome, everybody. I'm your host, Brian Basilico, and this is the podcast where you learn to make your business sizzle online. So are you ready to fry up some new business? Hey, peeps, it's Brian, and I've got a three-peater. Um, this is a guy, I don't usually just, do this. Just, but don't, just don't tell my wife that I have three of those. So. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's a, I try not to bring people on to repeat all the time. But when you meet somebody that is so insightful and so interesting and always brings great things to it. And, you know, after 300 and, you know, close to 300 podcasts, it's kind of hard not to bring great people back. So I'd like you guys to welcome Mark S.A. Smith, who is calling us from a uh, no-tell motel in uh, Massachusetts. Mark, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing great. Thanks, Brandon. I'm so delighted to be invited to the show. I'm honored to be your three-peat guest, and no doubt you'll have other people calling you, such as Warren Whitlock, saying, how come I can't be on your show three times? He usually does. Every time I have you on, he's like, dude, what am I, chop liver? <laughs> right? And Warren, You sound like a true Bostonian with that line. Yeah, yeah. It's wicked hardcore. Actually, this weekend we just watched uh, Patriot Day, which is about the uh, the Boston bombing, which is a very great and intense movie. And it's so intertwined between real life and, and stuff in there. And one of my uh, virtual assistants who lives in Boston, uh, she was actually, her whole family were extras in that movie. So, you know, it's kind of got a close tie into what we're talking about. And, uh, and my son was in Boston during that bombing. He lives in Boston and he, he tells interesting tales about it. But uh, I the reason, yeah. But the reason why we're here is to talk about how to get more business, my friend. That is correct. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about. So, guys, if you want to learn more about Mark, go to baconpodcast.com, search Mark S.A. Smith. Uh, all of his uh, other podcasts are on there and go to the first one and uh, it'll give you his background story. So we're not going to dig into that. That's why we're talking about movies and no-tell motels and all that kind of fun stuff. <laughs> but yes, we are here to talk about uh, building business and getting leads. And actually, more importantly, is what happens when you get those leads, you know, how do you execute. So um, so let's start off with the first thing. All right. You, you came up with three pieces to this puzzle. And you said the first one is decision, the second one is commitment, and then the third one is customer service. So let's start out with decision. Well, a lot of people, when they think about sales, they want to find the decision maker. And they realize that the person who makes the decision is the one that ultimately is going to pull the trigger on a sale. And what I'd like for you to think about is the reason why they're having a conversation with you to begin with is because they have made a decision to do something different. And what you want to do is take them to a commitment. Now, think about this listener. You probably have a customer right now that has said, yep, you sound great, let's go with you. They've made the decision, but they have yet to place the order or write you a check. Yep, all of us have that situation. You and me both, right, Brian? All the time. And sometimes, you know, it's it's like I won't start a project unless I get paid half up front because that's, that's, you know, once they get money or skin in the game, then that's truly a commitment. That's right. That's the difference between a decision and a commitment is the cash. And so our job uh, when we get to the world of sales is 
to have them make that commitment. So the sales opportunity lies between when a customer makes a decision and when a customer makes a commitment. Everything prior to them making a decision is marketing, which is about making customers aware that we can solve certain problems for them. And if you're doing this as a personal type of situation, that's called prospecting. If you're doing it impersonally, that's called marketing. And marketing is everything you do that triggers a relevant conversation with somebody who has made a decision. And that decision can be a soft decision such as, now I've decided to explore this, they've actually made the decision, and they're just backpedaling because they don't want you to turn on the hard sell. Or they made a hard decision, I've got to have this in place by next week. And it's a matter of figuring out who the vendor is that they're going to choose. That's that sales opportunity in the middle. So everything up to a decision is marketing. From a decision to a commitment, that's sales. And everything after the commitment is customer service. And it makes it really simple to take a look at how these pieces of your business operate within those essentially two goalposts of how customers buy. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little bit about that part up to where they make the decision. That's what we mean by leads. A lead is somebody who has indicated that they have decided to, to consider what it is that you're going to offer to them. Mm -hmm. That's really what a lead is, right? Right. Now, somebody who might sort of perhaps buy sometime in the future might be a suspect in traditional sales parlance, that, uh, but they, ha they don't have a level of commitment yet, personally committed. They don't have a level of motivation yet to go do the exploration unless their hobby is to go shopping. Unfortunately, we can't make any money from people whose hobby is to go shopping. So let's talk about some ways of doing some marketing mm -hmm. and to capture those people, to trigger that relevant conversation with them. And I think those are really important words, relevant and conversation. Absolutely. You know, Brian, it's, it's really easy for me to trigger a conversation with somebody. You know, I tell you, I'll tell you what, man, if you're willing to sit down with me, I'll give you a hundred dollar Amazon gift card. Your, your calendar will be full. Oh yeah. Super. It's, it's really simple. You'll go broke really fast. Uh, but yeah, you could fill up your dance card really quick that way. Right. And so you have to be careful with those kind of a bribe. And my suggestion is the fastest way today, in, in, in my opinion, to, to get conversations with people that can lead to a, to a, a commitment from a decision to a commitment is to talk about trends and to talk about what's coming. And the reason why is even people that don't yet know they need you will oftentimes be willing to have a conversation about what's coming down the pipeline. Mm -hmm. Especially if you're talking to owners of companies or, or people that need to have fresh ideas on a regular basis to operate their business. So I really love talking about trends and what's coming down the future and what you need to think about as you prepare to make your decisions going into the next year. And then by positioning yourself as that thought leader with insights into the future, it becomes very easy for them to consider you when they need to buy what you sell. Or a lot of times, if I have a product or a service that is universal, most people need some sort of flavor of it, that having a conversation about trends in the future allows us to have a safe space to explore what they see coming without them having to make a commitment and feel like they're being sold. 
Mm-hmm. How have you used How have you used this? Well, and I've used it a little differently because my approach is I, I, you know, I'm not your traditional salesperson, um, but I know I work with a lot of traditional salespeople, and one of the things that's really worked for me is getting people engaged in great content sitting out on the web. So they're listening to my blogs, my podcasts. Um, they're maybe coming to webinars. Um, and, and I'll give you an example of this is I spoke at, um, and I talked about this in my last podcast. I spoke at a, a event, uh, two and a half years ago on LinkedIn. And this one person signed up for my email list and has been getting my blogs and my podcasts and had been listening to the drip marketing that I've been doing mm-hmm. and finally came around and said, you know what, a it's time and B I want to have a conversation with this person to see if it's a good fit. Yes. And that was that was the key is that, you know, building that know, like and trust uh, takes time. It takes um, commitment. It takes consistency. And that's a lot of repetition. Yeah. A ton of repetition. And, you know, it took, you know, two and a half years. But, you know, you don't get big ticket sales in 30 days. I mean, I can't tell you the number of people. I get hit up twice today, once on LinkedIn, once on Facebook. Hey, great to connect with you. How about buying my crap? Um, you know, no, that doesn't work. But if you're committed to the long-term game of building those relationships and getting people to know, like, and trust you, then when you have that conversation, um, then you can decide if you're a good fit for them and they're a good fit for you. You know, I think that's uber important. It has to be a mutual, beneficial kind of relationship. What do you say about that? I think you're absolutely spot on. And what you've done over time is illustrated that you have thought leadership and that you're connected. Mm-hmm. You're, the people that are going to do business with you may not always need exactly what you've got. But because of the people you've interviewed on your podcasts, you know who knows which makes you not just a source, it makes you a resource. And when we sell intellectual property and consulting the way that we do, that's a very valuable place to be because they think of you even if they're not going to buy from you. And that generates reciprocity where they need to tell other people about you too. You always get more business when people see you as a resource versus just being a source. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, part of part of the journey has been, you know, and I talked about this again in the last podcast and um, sorry if you're hearing it twice. But, you know, when I started out, I had 100 people listen to my podcast and then it jumped up to a thousand people and then mm-hmm. it went to three thousand people. And now it's up to seven thousand people and it's consistently growing and growing and growing. And well, Brian, that's that's the seven thousand people that you know are counting. My bet is you're probably more like seventy thousand. It could be, yeah. You know, you experience with the podcast listenership is substantially underreported because we don't get any figures in iTunes. Right. Exactly. Yep. So, you know, I've one pundit tells me is take your your the numbers from Blueberry and multiply it by ten. You're probably closer to your true audience size. Unfortunately, if you're trying to get sponsors, they're looking for hard numbers, so it's a little harder to sell. But you know, but that doesn't matter. It's well, the sponsor of your show is you, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and you know what? I mean, that generates business. I mean, that's what it's about. You know, it's that's the key to it. But I think that you know, building that relationship, creating you know, the decision point is so incredibly important. Because when you get together with somebody and you're talking on the phone, 
you establish a rapport and that rapport yes. is either going to be really, really great or it's going to really suck. And you'll know, you know, at that time. And sometimes it doesn't always work out the way you expect once you've gotten into the customer service section. But we'll talk about that later. So, all right, people have made their decision. They've yes. decided, okay, I want to have this conversation. They've right. talked to you and all of a sudden they said, you know, this is the right solution for me. So now I'm going to make the commitment. So what happens yes. during that commitment phase or how do you get them from decision to commitment? Well, actually, I want to add one more thing to what we were talking about before we talk, make that transition, Brian. Okay. And that is everything you are doing right now is creating relationship through personality. Your blog, blog has personality. You have personality. This conversation has a personality. And so the customer that we do business with is going to identify with this personality and becomes part of their identity. People ultimately make decisions about who they do business with based on identity. Are you my type of people? And that's why the marketing that you do, the lead generation you do, has to have an identity if you're going to stand out of the crowd. Most of us see marketing that is done by big organizations that are monolithic that actually don't want to have identity. Now, you've talked about this in the past about being avatars, you know, mm -hmm. looking for a customer avatar. And I think the most important component of that is what's the identity of that avatar? Is, are they sports fans? Do they like a specific team? Are they soccer moms? Soccer moms have an avatar. They have a personality, and you can sell to that personality. And so the more, the more specific you can get in how you create personality is going to be very powerful in triggering that relevant conversation so that they feel comfortable having that conversation with you because you're like me. I'm like you. And so therefore, we're already connected and we already have that common ground that we can use to move into the sales conversation. And I feel safe. Mm -hmm. and, and you bring up a very, very good point. And this is one place where I run into a lot of pushback. And that is, I don't want to be the brand. I want my brand to be the brand, you know, and, and but the bottom line is people don't buy you know, especially in, in, in the service industry, they're not buying a brand. They're buying the person. They're That's buying right. the personality. They're buying the, the, like you said, you know, it's that persona that you put out there of fun, jovial, knowledgeable, um, experience, um, easygoing, whatever it is that you put out there. That's what they hear. That's what they see. So it's so incredibly important to realize the greatest brand asset you have is yourself. Yeah, your personality. And while you're right, we really would like to have a situation where we are not the brand. The reality is that for small service providers like you and I, we are we are the brand. And until we get into selling widgets or something that is packaged, we're going to be the brand. And so it's okay. Now, as you choose to create an organization that can operate without you, then things change a little bit. But my bet is that most of the people listening to this podcast are indeed solopreneurs or run a very small organization and they are the brand. And if that's the case, by golly, capitalize on your brand. Absolutely. So with that said, let's move into that um, commitment phase. Sure and enough. So the way we move people from decision to commitment is that we have to illustrate that we are going to deliver the outcome that they have in mind. People don't buy your stuff. They buy the outcome, the stuff that you offer your services deliver. 
So in your particular case, if people are looking for more deals, more leads, that's what they're looking for. They really don't care about the how. They don't care if it's a website or a webinar. That's just the overall package. And so we have to understand what their objective is. What is the what and the why? What are they trying to accomplish and why do they want to accomplish it? The why becomes the fuel. It also helps us make sure that we align what we offer with their motivational why. And there's some nuances to this. We've talked a little bit about this in the past with criteria and priorities and objections. The the thing that's the, the nuance that I see is that path from decision to commitment is going to be determined by how risky they feel that the purchase is and by their purchase level authority. All of us have a purchase level of authority. No, Brian, you have, uh, you know, you know how much you can spend without going and talking to somebody else about it. Right. And that somebody could be your partner in life. It could be your banker. It could be your credit limit on your current credit card. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we all have purchase level authorities. You know, me and my wife have established personal purchase levels. And above that, we've agreed that we're going to collaborate before we make those expenditures above that. And it's not about me losing my balls. It's about coexisting with another human being who I care a hell of a lot about. Mm-hmm. And the same thing works for your customers, too. Everybody has a purchase level. And if what you're selling is within their purchase level, then it'll go fast. If it's not, and they have to essentially sell somebody else on the purchase, it goes a lot slower. So you have to figure out if that person is going to be needing to consult with somebody else. Then we add on top of this the concept of risk. If there's something that's very low risk, because it's guaranteed or warranted, or if it, if you're not, you know, hundred percent money back, if you're not satisfied for whatever reason, you don't even have to tell me all of that risk reversal content that we've worked with in the past. A lot of it came from Jay Abraham. That risk reversal helps people speed along because if they know that if it doesn't work out, then they can get their money back and they don't have to go to that other person in their life that they have to check in with Mm -hmm. to justify their stupid decision. So the the two elements you need to keep in mind is if you can have an initial purchase that is under the purchase authority of most of the people you sell to, and you can make it as risk-free as you possibly can, that's what makes the fastest path from decision, conversation to commitment. Yeah, and and that risk averse thing is huge. I mean, the the thirty day money back guarantee is something that always, you know, increases sales, uh, but doesn't necessarily increase commitment. A lot of times, people will purchase, try it, and say, "I don't want it." That kind of stuff, or or you know, it doesn't happen often, but it does happen. But sure I think one of the most important things is creating that sense of value. I'm going to get value out of this. There's going to be a return on investment. Mm-hmm. And and that's one of the things that creating a value proposition does. And if you're super clear on the value proposition, and you can get the other person to believe it, because one of the things that you said before, which really is in, in my vernacular, is you have to show people where they are. You have to talk through the process of what it's going to take to get them to the place that they want to be. And that's what right. life is going to be like along that journey, but also when it's all said and done, 
why are they going to be better off when it's all said and done? Can they make more money? Are they going to lose more weight? Are they going to be happier? Are they going to have a better relationship with their kids? I mean, whatever it is. But you've really got to lay it out. Is Here's where you're at. Here's the process to get there and be realistic about it. You know, this is not, um, you know, the magic diet pill that's going to take off 10 pounds. This is uh, something that's going to help you lose water weight, but you got to exercise twice a day. You know, it's you got to be honest about that stuff. Mm-hmm. But right. if, you, if you can get them to the point that says, if you pay attention to this, um, you will get to the point where you lose those 10 pounds. And mm-hmm. that's where you want to be. So are you willing to invest the time, the energy, the money, whatever it takes to get from point A to point B? Yeah, there, I think that's a really important element is that every product or every service has a journey that creates success. Mm-hmm. And the commitment is the beginning of that journey. And that's where we move into the customer service component. A powerful way of helping people move from decision to commitment is to help them visualize what that journey will be like what you will do, what they will need to do, and what they'll need to either commit to or tolerate to make those changes. Now, keep in mind, for the most part, most of us are selling something that requires a person to make a change of behavior or at least a change of habit if they're going to be working with us versus their old way of getting things done. And that journey is part of what we have to help them imagine, visualize, internalize to get them to commitment and then to get them to compliance and continuing to do business with us. (laughs) And a really good example of that, if you sell real estate, you know this, that the moment that the the couple looking at the home start to imagine what their furniture will be like, you know, they've bought the house. Right. And that's, that's the big thing is, is um, that customer service side of things is it's when you start out, it's like, you know, dating. The, the first couple of dates are just like, oh, all bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. And then all of a sudden, um, you know, bodily functions happen, things happen, attitudes start to show, uh, whatever it is, you know. And then I tell you, I got I to tell you, I, I, I had lunch today with a guy that I've, I've had a conversation with uh, for, for a while. Mm-hmm. And this is the first time we sat down in person. We we're sitting at legal seafood at the harbor side and eating oysters. Mm-hmm. And I slur- slurped in my oyster with a little miniere sauce on it, and the vinegar went right to my throat, and my body is- expelled the oyster onto the table. <laughs> yeah. It, it, and it, I said, oh, my God, I am so sorry. He says, well, what happened? And I explained, and, he's, and I said, if you don't mind, I'm going to eat that. And he says, oh, I would. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, oysters aren't cheap, especially in Boston. You know? but so, I, you know, yes, bodily functions happen. <laughs> yeah, they do. But so that's when, you know, that's when the real relationship happens is when you're actually doing the customer service and working on a job because – then you get to start to see, you know, where, uh, you know, things that you never knew during the courtship. And this has happened time and time and time again with me. You've really, it's not just all, you know, uh, butterflies and unicorns, man. A lot of times it's gnashing teeth and trying to work through some of these things, right? Well, keep in mind, my friends, mm-hmm. that that element of customer service is where you earn customer loyalty. Um, another one of my friends, Tony Boda, who you need to get on your show, Brian, he is just extraordinary. 
he uh, he works with hotels to help them get five star reviews. It, it's all psychology, and the stuff is absolutely brilliant. Mm-hmm. And what what what, he, what Tony points out is that when it comes to customer service, there are no real five three star reviews. A three star review is essentially I gave you money, I got what I expected. That's right. It. A one star review is you ripped me off. I'm not going to let anybody else get ripped off by you, and so I'm going to tell everybody I know. And a five star review is wow, that was way way more than I expected, way more than I paid for. You really impressed me. And Tony has a formula that can help you get to those five-star reviews. And and since in the world of business that we're all in, most of us are review-driven. We have to have reviews mm-hmm. to get that credibility. And the difference between a four-star review and a five-star review is a lot of money in the world of hospitality. Sure. It's a big deal. And so what he points out is that um, that people have to be – it really truly is under-promise and over-deliver. Mm-hmm. But you have to over-deliver in a way that people find valuable, right? not just over-delivery because you tend to over-deliver. And those elements create that customer service that generate the loyalty. And once a person gives a five-star review, they don't go to other properties. So there's, the, there's a customer lock-in mm-hmm. to getting people to give you high reviews and and uh, they'll come back over and over and over again. But you have to earn it. You have to earn a five-star review. You can't just ask for anybody who asks for a five-star review. They say, you know, will you give me a five-star review? I say, you haven't earned it yet. Well, what do I need to earn it? If you have to ask me, you don't know. Those complex situations always have challenges. Always. There, there is no exception to the rule. Anybody who tells you it's absolutely perfect right out of the box is lying to you and about to take you to court. And one of my pieces of advice is if you hear anybody ever say anything about suing you at any phase of the, up to the point of commitment, do not do business with them. Right. And I sense another podcast episode coming on integrity <laughs> in selling. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's so but, critical these days. So, Mark, as usual, love, love, love our conversations because <laughs> I think we get a lot out of each other and we work very well we together. Uh, we and so well, we're musicians, my friend. Well, that's, you know how to play well with each other. Exactly. Yeah. You know, you know when you need to stand out and do a lead, and you know when you need to be rhythm. There's a couple of things I want my audience to be aware of. First and foremost, Mark is working on his selling disruption book, uh, which you know I know is not coming out immediately soon, but I want you guys to keep your eyes out for it. Uh, I'm sure it'll be available on Amazon. The other thing is Mark has an excellent podcast too. It's the Selling Disruption Show. Um, I've gotten a handful of guests from his show and I've tried to introduce him to a handful of mine who I think are awesome. And, and just, you know, there's so much value in listening to other people's podcasts. I do it all the time. I don't listen to myself talk all the time. I listen to other people's stuff. So Mark, you know, you're doing a great job with that. Congrats on the show. But if people resonate with what's going on and they want to get a hold of you, uh, other than listen to the podcast, what are some of the other options that they have? Uh, well, there's a couple of really simple options. First is let's connect on LinkedIn. I have uh, 5,000 connections on LinkedIn. And it's really wonderful. I'm active on it every day. Let's have a conversation. And if we like to have a, you know, a, let's have a voice conversation, I'm willing to give anybody half an hour. So those are a couple of things we could do, Brian. Awesome, Mark. Well, as usual, man, you have basically brought some sizzling hot bacon to this show. And, uh, man, we've chewed on it and we've enjoyed it the whole time. So I want to thank you again for jumping on board and being my guest today. And I love sharing you to my audience. And, man, I can't wait till we get together again soon. 
Thank you, my friend. It's always a delight, and I'll always say yes anytime you ask. Well, that's it for today's Bacon Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and learned something today. If you did, please go to iTunes and give us a review. We appreciate all your feedback and comments. If you have any questions, go to www.baconpodcast.com forward slash questions, and we'll make sure we get those answered for you. Till next time, keep sizzling.